Welcome to the Global Citizen Life Podcast. Today on the show, we have Crunch Ranjani, who is on a mission to help support people, particularly women, who are going through a big life transition. It could be a breakup, divorce, career change, kids leaving the nest and becoming an empty nester, to connect with their deep inner self and desires through the vessel of transformational travel. Having lived a nomadic lifestyle for the past 10 years and traveled to over 50 countries, Crunch has experienced and is still experiencing power of travel in creating transformation in her life. And she wants to be able to share the magic of transfer of the magic of travel with others through her highly customized GPS guidance and personalized support programs. Crunch enables and empowers people to take the next steps to living their best life. Well, welcome to the show, Crunch. Thank you so much for having me. So, traveling to over fifty countries—that's a lot. <laughs> Um, I've, I've been to 46, I think is where I'm at now. So, so I know what it's like. And so share a little bit about your, your journey and your experience kind of, of, of where you began and then touch base a little bit on, on those travels because it, it was a lot. And then how you decided to be where you're at and how long you've been there. Okay. So <laughs> Let me start at the beginning, I guess. Um, I was born and raised in Singapore. Um, and uh, Singapore is a really small country, right? Like it's it's tiny. <laughs> so since I was young, I've always had the desire to travel. And we did some traveling as like a family when I was growing up. But then, you know, I just wanted to see the world once I became an adult and had, you know, like the finances to kind of like navigate that on my own. So, you know, kind of out of university, I got a job, saved for a bit, and then just kind of took off on a one-way ticket to South America. And, you know, that was when the 10 years or like what has now turned into a 10 year journey kind of like started. And, you know, I've been around Latin America, traveled in Asia and Europe um, and, you know, keep coming back to Singapore to visit my family because this is where most of my family is based. Um, and, you know, now I've kind of found myself with a home base in Mexico, which is where I'm currently based. And I've been in Mexico, I want to say, for about three years now, <laughs> give okay. or take a few months. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. And so um, was it a conscious decision to stay in Mexico and live there and make it home base? Or is it one of those things where you went, you thought you might stay a few months and it turned into a year, which turned into longer? Or how did you come about the decision of having Mexico as home? Okay, so Mexico became, so I moved to Mexico in the middle of the pandemic in October 2020, um, because the person that I was, my partner at the time, um, is Mexican, right? So he was like, you know, we can't keep doing, we were doing long distance before that. And, you know, just got like, this doesn't make any sense. Like if we don't have an end date, and at that time, like the pandemic didn't have an end date, right? And we wanted to be together and see where our relationship would go, like whether it would even work. So I ultimately, like Singapore had very, at that time I was in Singapore visiting my family. So I was like here for lockdown. Um, and, you know, like Singapore wasn't having anybody come in, but Mexico had fairly open borders at that time. I think it was one of the very few countries that 
pretty much had their pre-COVID kind of stance on traveling, like anybody's welcome, right? Um, so I decided to go to Mexico, to move to Mexico and to be with him. And I moved, like I went there first on a tourist visa and I did one visa run. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of like extend it after the first six months um, and then at that point like coming back into the country again I was faced with kind of like all kinds of questions because I'd been to Mexico multiple times and spent a significant amount of time there you know that to the point where like the immigration official looked at my passport and like you've been in Mexico four times in the last two years like what are you doing here like are you living and working here illegally and I was like no, I mean, not really. I mean, I was, you know, I was living there, but like the rental that we, I was sharing with my, with my partner at the time, like it was under his name and like, I didn't have any bank accounts or anything. And I was basically, you know, just being a tourist um, mm -hmm. pretty much. <laughs> so ultimately like that was kind of like the push for me to kind of get my residency in Mexico. And at that time, Mexico, I don't know if they still have this program, but they were running like a naturalization program mm -hmm. for me to kind of, you know, if you over, if you had overstayed your tourist visa and you had an entry into Mexico before the pandemic, they would automatically kind of process your residency for four years, you know? So it was kind of like wow. a loophole. I mean, like, it was a program that it, they had created for people who were stuck in Mexico and couldn't return to their home countries because of right. the pandemic, because of the lockdowns, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had been in Mexico on a tourist, like I'd been traveling around Mexico in 2019 and I just simply like on my last entry into Mexico, just let my tourist visa expire <laughs> by like three days. And then I went to the immigration office and I was like, look, my visa's expired and I've been in Mexico before the pandemic. So like, give me my residency. And <laughs> I mean, there were more hopes to jump through, but you know, that's uh -huh. that's the short story of um, of why I have residency in Mexico and why like, you know, it's, it's I guess it's my home base now. <laughs> Excellent, great. And so there must be quite a difference in in lifestyle and cost of living between Singapore and Mexico. Mm -hmm. That is correct. <laughs> um, lifestyle wise, I would say that Mexico has a much slower pace of life. So I don't live in Mexico City, which is a you know, like they call it La Gran Ciudad, which means like the great city. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it really is like a big, massive, sprawling metropolis kind of um, city, but which is maybe more on par with what like Singapore is like. But the city that I live in is a much smaller city, like popular, like the city I live in is called Jalapa. Interesting fun fact. It's where jalapeno peppers are from. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. And it's a small university city. It's got a couple of universities, population of maybe like 350,000 people. So it's small, right? So the pace of life is much slower. It's one of the cities that is, um, I think that has the lowest cost of living across all of Mexico. So it is fairly cheap in terms of like housing, food, you know, um, groceries, all kinds of things that you would need. Um, so the cost of living is much lower as well. And what I really enjoy is that, you know, people like it's a small enough city that you have all of your creature comforts. Like there is a cinema that is like, you know, like okay, there isn't an airport, the nearest airport's two hours away, but 
<laughs> um, you know, but like most of the things that you would need from a city are there. And also it's small enough that it, you can walk in the street and like probably bump into your friend because there are just a handful of places where you pretty much hang out, right? So right. that's what I really enjoy about the city that I live in. So, And then also when you go back to Singapore, you get all the other bits of the city, um, the busyness and a bit of the craziness when you're visiting family and friends. And then it's nice to kind of escape it again and, and head mm -hmm. back to, to Mexico where it's quieter and calmer. Yes, that's absolutely right. <laughs> and so you ended up kind of on a a special way to get residency um, that kind of, I guess we could say a silver lining for you to the pandemic was how, how you got that. How long did it take for them to process that residency? It was pretty much overnight. Well, so what happened was, so Mexico is an interesting country, right? Like things don't always work how you think they would like I'm from Singapore and Singapore is a very efficient country it's well known for being like by the book and like everybody has the same standard operating procedures you know and that kind of stuff and Mexico is like the complete opposite right like depending on who you speak to it changes what is possible for you right, right. so um, I was I knew about this program like this naturalization program that they were running and I knew like Firstly, like there's not a lot of information available online on any of the official sites. Like it mm -hmm. just kind of like vaguely says it that like this thing is available or this program is available and these are the requirements. But also it says like reach out to your nearest um, immigration office to clarify what documents you need or something, right? right? So I went to the local immigration office in Jalapa to start the process and first that was like a big headache because I went there in person and they were like you can't just go in you need a, an appointment like so they like made me write my name on a piece of paper and come back the next day for the appointment um so I came back the next day and then they were like they let me in and you know they were asking me questions like okay what do you want to do and I explained this thing and like showed them the page on their website like look this the program blah 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 and they were like, no, 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 we don't do this program. Like, you don't qualify for this program. I was like, I meet the requirements. My visa is expired. And, you know, like I have like an entry in Mexico before 2020, like before 2020. And they were like, no, 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 this is like, this is not happening here. And I was just like, okay, so I can't do it at this office. And they were like, so I was working with a lawyer at the time. And she was like, you can try the bigger office um, in Veracruz. Port, right so that's a different city like two hours away um so I had the option of going there to try my luck with the immigration office there and she was like I don't know if they will do this but like if you come to my city she was based in Merida which is like a two and a half hour flight away from where I live um and she was like I don't know about their office there you can try your luck but you know if you come over here, I can guarantee you that we will get the paperwork done. You will have your visa, like no problem. Like you will have your residency. So, you know, like waiting the things and I was just kind of like, I don't mm. even know if they do this in Veracruz. Like I could take the trip there and like, they could just say like, no, this doesn't exist. Like they did in this office, right? Or right. I could just like hop on a flight and get over to Merida and then like just, you know, hand over the papers to my lawyer and she would just take care of everything. 
felt like ultimately decided to do that because it was stressful for me to. The, the thing about doing that was that my tourist visa was expired. So technically I was illegally in the country, right? Mm -hmm. So having a, I mean, like it is a prerequisite for having, uh, for getting this type of residency. You needed but... to be illegally there to get that into that exactly. program. So it was like <laughs> kind of nerve wracking. And um, she said, you know, you should like try to, I mean, she was also concerned because like we thought talked about like would it make sense for me to fly or should I just rent a car and drive and she was like honestly like you should just fly because it's two and a half hours and usually on a domestic flight they don't check your stamps in the past right, right? so just you know come on a flight mm -hmm. because if you're driving like there are states um, along that drive that are kind of like high alert shall we say mm -hmm. like they have a higher presence. Mm -hmm. They check mm -hmm. documents more. There's like it's a route for people who are crossing borders illegally and things like that. Okay. So she was like, "You can run that. You can take that risk, but it's also like a twenty-hour drive versus oh. a two-hour flight. Yeah. I don't know. You might get stopped. There's like so many. I mean, it's ultimately up to you. So I decided to fly and. Nobody asked me for my papers or anything. <laughs> uh, so that was lucky because they have recently started asking people or like stopping people for paperwork and making sure that your visa is not expired or whatever. Um, in the last couple of years, they I've noticed that more. So I got to Merida and like she was there at the airport to receive me and she was just like, okay, let's go straight to the immigration office. We went, like she had all the paperwork ready. She handed it over. I had to like, smile in the camera and they took my picture i signed a couple of pieces of paper and that was it i could come back the next wow, day wow that is the most efficient i've ever heard in this entire show to be legally illegal to get residency <laughs> in that quickly it's that's that's amazing yeah it was it was it was i it was still a very highly stressful like couple of weeks like mm -hmm. just as just about as my visa was expiring and I was like oh my god am I gonna like be illegal also I don't know if you know anything about like Singapore's history in terms of like law enforcement and people being in the country illegally like it's pretty strict over here you know like mm -hmm. they are harsh there are harsh penalties and like just generally like I have been brought up in a very like law-abiding way <laughs> and this whole thing just made me really anxious but ultimately it turned out to be about as smooth as I could have hoped for. Right. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's, it's incredible that it worked out that well and that smooth. And so have you gone through the process of opening up a bank account in Mexico? I have not. Okay. <laughs> ultimately I've, I decided, well, that's not true. I have a virtual bank account in Mexico. Okay with one of those virtual banks but it's uh -huh. a mexican company so that allows me to do transfers like local transfers like pay for my internet and pay for i don't know gas not gas um electricity and services and things like that so that's hooked up to my virtual bank account in mexico but i didn't open a physical bank account because firstly like I had no way to deposit money in there like I'm not working in Mexico my money doesn't come from Mexican employers 
So nobody's going to send me money to a Mexican bank account, you know? So like I would have to like get the money out and put it in. And like, it just seemed like a lot of extra fees that I would have to pay anyways, Mm -hmm. compared Mm -hmm. to just using so what I use is Wise. I don't know if you've heard of them. You've probably heard of them. I use Wise a lot. Yes. It's, They're great. It's like great. I have their card. It's fantastic. Like it allows me to do like withdrawals and pay cashlessly at most establishments that accept it. So I've been able to get by on that and, you know, just recently opened up this virtual Mexican bank account thing because I needed to pay for my internet. <laughs> Okay. And, and WISE is great too. They give the best rate for transfers and you can mm-hmm. hold a number of different currencies. I've got three different currencies on my WISE account that I use pretty regularly. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're great. Um, and so when you opened up your, your virtual, we'll call it your virtual Mexican bank account, was that just basically online? You uploaded some ID, filled out a form and they pretty much just give it to you right away? Yeah, pretty much. It was an app that I had to download on my phone. And then I think they asked for like a picture of my passport and or like my residency card because I have my residency card, right? So uploaded that. And I think within like 24 hours, I had access to my bank account and like bank account details for the virtual bank. And, you know, I can like do transfers and stuff and it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's, to, that's great. Yeah. So it's actually what's keeping um my things running in Mexico because I'm currently in Singapore. Like I'm back visiting the family. So my apartment is in Mexico and like, you know, I can keep making payments over there via this account and I don't have to be physically there. So it's been working nice. well. <laughs> oh, great. That's that's great. So what um, what's kind of day-to-day life for you in Mexico? That's a good question. <laughs> my life, I think, is very chill and very relaxed. <laughs> That's good. Compared That's what life. a lot of people are looking for. <laughs> yeah. So I usually, I am quite a morning person and my, my apartment has very large windows, like the entire length of one side is just windows and it overlooks like the beautiful mountains (laughs) so the city where I live in um it's mountainous and I have a view of two of the top 10 tallest peaks in Mexico I actually have a view of the tallest peak in Mexico from my bedroom window which is very like luxurious I don't know it feels great to like wake up to that every morning so I wake up pretty early and then like I do work for a couple of hours in the morning um depending on what day of the week it is, like I go to the farmer's market, like there are a couple that pop up every week. I mean, they have specific days that they they show up on. And like, that's where I usually do my grocery shopping for fresh produce and, and meat and eggs and all kinds of things. Because, you know, why wouldn't you buy the freshest stuff that people have grown in their gardens with, you know, no pesticides and no big corporations in the way, just kind of like, taking advantage of small farmers right so uh-huh. I'll do that and then you know make my own lunch like I usually have lunch with friends like I invite, I like cooking <laughs> and I you know I enjoy sharing food from Asia with my friends in Mexico because my city doesn't have a lot of like 
international cuisine, so to speak. Okay. So, and the stuff that they have is kind of, you know, it's not the same. Let's be honest. It's not, it's not the same. It's not, well, it's not really not what it's like. <laughs> so I enjoy cooking and like, I'll invite my friends over a couple of times a week to like cook for them and, you know, just have a good time sharing food and stories and usually like I'll make the main dish and they'll bring like a side or like dessert or something and oh like they'll come over and help me cook right so I do we do that <laughs> and then I go to yoga classes <laughs> three times a week uh, I help out in a community garden twice a week nice. um, I don't know what else I do with my time and then I just like chill out and have a lot of fun living my life when I'm in Mexico. well that sounds it sounds ideal and it sounds like I'm sure a lot of the listeners are thinking I would love to do that because it sounds it sounds fabulous it sounds like it's what we strive to to have mm -hmm. I mean a lot of that has been created intentionally and by design that I don't you know, like I don't work a nine to five. Like I haven't ever, probably ever, like very short periods in my life that I have worked in like a corporate or like nine to five today. Um, mm -hmm. But for the most part, I've just been self-employed for most of my life, my adult working career. And that allows me to set my schedule in a way that works for me, right? So like on Wednesdays and Thursdays in the morning is the farmer's market. So don't take calls on Wednesdays and Thursday mornings. Right. I don't take calls from six to eight in the evenings because I have yoga classes on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Right. I don't take calls um, when I have to go to the community garden. Right. Things like that, like that have allowed me to to put my schedule into place according to what works for me. And, you know, working for myself, I have the flexibility to change things up when I need to. And, you know, like I'm not always in Mexico because I do still enjoy traveling. So I keep my home base in Mexico and I still do like trips. Like uh, over the summer, I spent like a month traveling around the US and visiting friends, right? And while I was there, like I got adapted my schedule to suit my friends' schedules because, you know, like whether they were working or like what they had planned for their our time together or whatever. So just kind of like shifting things around. And I work one-to-one -one with my clients and, you know, usually like they're really accommodating and really like understanding of the fact that my life is weird. <laughs> it's not normal in that sense. And but it's, always... it's becoming more normal. More and more people are are starting to do that. And, and I think the big change with that was obviously the pandemic where people started to think, wait a minute, maybe I still do a nine to five, but I don't necessarily have to be in the office or, you mm -hmm. know, like many, many things has changed that way. And and I think it's great, but it's it's a lifestyle by design. And it's and I'm mm -hmm. glad you said that because people need to to know like it takes time to do it, but it's done by design. We can't just be sitting around waiting for my ideal lifestyle to happen, you know, and you you put mm -hmm. in the work for the first however long the time it took to get to a certain point where then and even then it was by design, knowing, okay, I'm putting in this work, this is what I'm gonna be doing. And I'm taking on clients and I'm talking it. And sometimes I'm sure it, it wasn't ideal as it is now, but after time it's designed. So it is, oh, these days it's for me, Mondays and Fridays. I, I don't do any podcast interviews, Mondays and Fridays. And I generally, unless there is no other option, I usually don't do meetings 
on Mondays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. Mondays and Fridays, there's I have tons of other things to be doing, things to get caught up on. And I just don't do I all my meetings, podcasts, interviews, everything's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Outside of that, those Monday and Friday, I leave open. And in case I want to do a long weekend or a trip or something, I know those days, Mondays and Fridays are always open work days for for other things. And they're not meetings. And Mm -hmm. I've designed it that way to be that way. That's perfect because, and and us talking about this and sharing this, I think also gives people the idea that, you know, if it's possible for two random people on the internet that they're listening to, like, why can't it be possible for me, right? You know, like for a very long time, we've all just imagined that our work lives need to be from nine to six in an office cubicle, like in front of, I don't know, stuck with like your 20 other coworkers who are all suffering in misery with you, but like, now people are opening themselves up to the idea that there are other alternatives of creating a life and making a living that don't involve you being shackled to a desk for most of your waking days and most of your waking hours for like 40 years of your life, right? Like we can choose differently. And of course that comes, I mean, I'm saying that like from a place of immense privilege, right? Like not everybody has the chance or the opportunity to do that and pursue that. But for most of us, like, honestly, there isn't a reason. Like, if you work in an office, there's no reason why you can't do that from somewhere else, (laughs) right? Or that you can't do it in a different way. And honestly, like, I don't know. I think the pandemic hopefully has made people realize that, you know, we all work in different ways, right? Like, we were all getting our work done while running a household, while managing kids or like the pets or whatever, like million things that we were juggling all at the same time while we were like locked up inside our homes. And, you know, I think people have realized that like, maybe I work better from, you know, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then I have like a really good rush of creativity and inspiration from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And like I have my whole day free to go and do like take a walk or go on a hike or go to the farmer's market on a Tuesday morning, right? Or like spend time with your kids, right? And and I think these are the important things that you're ultimately going to remember when you're 75 and lying in your bed. It's not oh, I worked really hard on that project that made two million for my boss and I got Thanks. Two pizzas. Thanks for, thanks for your work. <laughs> That's it. It's I like, got a pizza I gotta party and like a box of donuts, baby. <laughs> right. Right. And it, it and is. Like, it is about you know. I I agree. It is about designing what we like and knowing ourselves. Like I love being up in the morning, and I had to adjust because living in Europe, um, most times with people that I have meetings with are in North America, and I've adjusted to it, and I now love it because I used to get up work for you know, a a number of hours in the morning, then the afternoon, I would go grocery shopping, do banking, go to the gym, those types of things, and then work again in the evening. But in Spain, most things are closed in the afternoon. So and it took me a while to get it, like I was a bit of a hard learner. Many times I would go out and be like, Oh, well, the bank's closed. Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm gonna Oh, no, that's closed too. And so I realized I had to re rearrange my schedule, I had to do it differently. But now I love my routine because I get up in the morning, I'm still up early and I'll read, I'll meditate, I'll work out, I'll do the things that I want to do. And then probably if it's really early, maybe 11-ish, but somewhere between 11 and noon is when I when I start my day. But my first meeting is not until, for me, the earliest is one o'clock in the afternoon. 
that will be, and that's only that those three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll have meetings till eight, nine o'clock at night, not very often, but I'm okay with that because it's on occasion, but I've had all morning. I've got up, I've done my stuff. It's not, oh, now I'm tired from work. Oh, I need to go to the gym. It's like, no, I've already done it, you know? And, yeah. and, and I just, and I, I love the way my routine is now. It, it did take a bit of adjusting like anything, but I love it. And I was back in Canada a few months ago and it was, oh, get up, start work right away because I was in the time zone. And I thought, I don't like I don't like waking up and having to be ready for a meeting in an hour. Like I'm used to my slow routine of getting things done that I like. And then I just feel better getting into work. And so it is designing it. And, and it's also, as you said, knowing depending upon what we do, when are we better working? Are we really tired and sluggish in the morning and it just takes more time to wake up? Are we more wake up, get things done in the morning because the afternoon we need a break or, or you're a night owl and you just really like ideas come to you and you work hard and you get things done at night and that's your time. For me, when I hire VAs and, and people to help, I just say, this is the task that needs to be done. And for the most part, I mean, sometimes there's certain ways, but generally speaking, I don't care how it's done as long as it's done kind of the right way in, in a sense um, and done on time. However a person does it, however long it takes for them to do it, whether they do it when they wake up in the morning, the middle of the afternoon, nighttime, like as long as it's done by this date, I, I don't care. Like do how you do, as long as I get the end result that I need, I'm happy. And, and I yeah. think a bit of the pandemic has shown that and, and people have realized that too, that they do work better at certain times of the day. And, and when we can design our life a little bit more, we are happier and we are more productive. Right. And you get to spend, I don't know, like your days doing the things that you actually want to do at the times that you actually want to do them. Like you said, right? Like some people have that post-lunch slump right? I'm one of those people. I need to take a nap. Like I don't do well immediately after having a meal. Like I need to lie down for like 30 minutes. <laughs> right. And I do, I take a nap every day. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, like forcing people to, to sit at their computers just because the work day has been determined to be from nine to six, like is not helpful to anybody, you know, like you could let them take a nap and then come back with much fresher eyes and get to the same task and like the task will probably get done in half the time that it took them to do it you know while they were fighting off like the snoozes you know <laughs> right Absolutely. like why are we torturing people and I don't know something else that bothers me about how our modern workplaces are kind of set up is that you don't really get rewarded for being more productive right like that's an unfortunate fact of how our modern workplaces are set up is that you're given like a set amount of work to do if you get it all done in four hours instead of eight hours instead of being allowed to enjoy that other four hours that you have you know saved because you were like really good at your job and like what would have taken Tim eight hours to do you did in four hours instead of like saying okay cool you've done your work for today like go home and enjoy the rest of the day or whatever they're like oh cool you finished all the work like here's some more <laughs> right so mm -hmm. like it doesn't benefit anybody to be more productive or get their work, work done quickly when we control how much time they need 
to do something. Right. Like, like you said, the approach that you have with your VAs or whatever is, is much more efficient for them and like beneficial for everybody involved. Like you tell them like, I need this task done. I don't care how long, like, you know, like if it's going to take you 20 hours when like, I know it should take you 10, then that's a problem. But like, yes. I don't care if you think it's going to take you 10 hours and you do it in five because you have 10 years of experience doing it and you can do it faster than everybody. They're like, cool. Like, the project is worth this price. I'm going to pay you this price regardless of whether you do it in five hours or 10 hours or 20 hours. So it like is in your interest to work faster, right? And like enjoy your life after. <laughs> right. right. It's all about convenience too. I mean, if we think of you go to a lawyer to get a will done up, he's not writing the will up or she from scratch. They've got a template that's already done. They're adding in your specific bits to it. Yes, they're doing some work, but it's not... It's not done from scratch. So when we have, and there's so many tools and software and things that we can use now that it's what is the value to get this task done and however long it takes within, obviously within reason, if it takes me X amount of time and my time's worth X amount of dollars. So if I can hire somebody to do it faster and for for less because I'm slow, so hopefully they can do it faster and 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 less than what for it, what it would be for me. Pretty much anything above that is is good for me. So if they can do it in half the time, great. If I can pay them seventy five percent and I don't have to do it, that's a double win because I'm right. working on something else and it's not costing me my full wage. Um, of, of what it would take so I can be working on other things as well so it's yeah it makes sense but you know for some people in those starting out it's not easy at first things always take longer at first when we're learning new things but um, there's this thing called the internet which is amazing we can we get so much and I every day every day I'm on there and I am how do I how to whatever I every day I swear every day it's there's something either with my website or something that I'm changing or some ideas of or like even just what's going on in the world or best places like what's the latest report of the best places to retire or whatever every day it's I'm I'm asking Google or YouTube or something um generally a how do I question and I'm a visual learner so for me most times it's YouTube um, because when I see oh you go here you click here you do this like I just bought a new domain and I was like I know there's a way to uh to put it so it's like coming soon and I'm looking through all the and I'm like I've done it before I, I have many websites and I'm like and I'm like forget it I'm just gonna how do I put it on and then oh I'll click here here oh yeah right there there okay good done I'm like yeah it was right. just fast. I just should have, you know, um, and it's done instead of me going through, clicking every button, knowing I, it's been about four years since I've done this. I know there's a button somewhere, but how do I? And it's, yeah. there's, there's answers for, for everything. So for people mm -hmm. who, you know, want to start their own businesses or they're worried, it's great. Don't, I always say, don't quit your day job until you're making enough, unless I mean, you've got money in the bank and you're really at the point of it's absolutely horrible, but generally don't quit your day job until you're making enough money to support your lifestyle or, or close to it where you then can. And, and sometimes we need to just simplify our lifestyle so we don't need as much money. 
start those businesses. There's so much information online um, to, to start to find something that you enjoy doing and, and start designing that life that uh, that you want to have. Hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I would give same advice, right? Like don't quit your day job without having like a backup plan or, you know, like enough savings for you to be able to try this thing out. Because like sometimes when you're starting a new business and you're trying to do it while maintaining your nine to five, that can feel like a lot, right? Like we only have 24 hours a day. And like, if you have kids, if you have like family responsibilities, caregiving responsibilities, like all kinds of things, like that takes away from your 24 hours, right? Um, so it can feel like a lot if you're trying to do both at the same time. So I would ideally say like, maybe negotiate something with your current employer to say, hey, can we do like a part-time thing? Like, can I reduce my hours? Maybe I only come in four days a week. So that like, I mean, you don't need to tell them that you're working on a side hustle or whatever. No, of course not. <laughs> just say like, something. I mean, I have, I want to work less, <laughs> whatever, right? Um, mm -hmm. And negotiate something. And maybe you take like a little bit of a pay cut in order to like get your other thing off the ground. But like you said, we can find ways to simplify. Like, do you need to upgrade your card? Do you need a bigger flat screen TV? <laughs> Probably not. Like if your car works fine, stick to it. Like it depends on what your priorities are, right? Like mm. I've had to give up like things that most people wouldn't give up <laughs> in order to like run my lifestyle of 10 years of being a digital woman and like traveling around the world and visiting over 50 countries, right? Like I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of clothes. Like I've been wearing the same kind of clothes that I have for the last 10 years but like I invested a few good pieces and I just wear them forever <laughs> right mm -hmm. like fashion I, is I'm not saying but for someone who it is a big concern then that might be something that you won't give up but maybe you'll give something else up right like maybe it's books like you don't want to buy books so much or you just buy uh kindles and e-readers whatever right like you got to find yeah. ways to like something's got to give right? Like you can't right. <laughs> expect to maintain your lifestyle at home and do all of the things. Like, I, I'm sorry, but for most of us, that's not possible, right? Unless right. And, 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 and definitely not starting out um, and mm -hmm. with, with that starting out. And sometimes we, we have to, to weigh that, what do we really need? Because sometimes we're buying a lot of stuff because we're not happy. And it gives us that bit of, of adrenaline, that bit of happiness, those those hits of like, oh, look at this new shirt I bought. Look at this new dress I bought. This, this. And then how how long does that excitement last? Not very long. So you have a ton of clothes, you have all the new stuff, but you do it to try to make yourself happy. But when we realize stuff doesn't make us happy, then we think, okay, I'm going to stop buying the stuff and start making changes because then I don't need as much money because I'm not buying the stuff. Maybe I can sell a bunch of stuff and use that money to go on a trip to get maybe a little bit more inspiration or to check out a place of maybe I would love to move to, to Mexico. And of course, throughout Mexico, there's so many places to, to live and a person and could go to. And with that, the price points of different cities and towns are, are going to vary within it. If you maybe need to, or want to still be in that same time zone, um, if you're from North America. So there's, there's many things to consider and there's, there's many ways, but we just have to think what, what do we really want and what, what is most important? Mm -hmm. And when right. I, and I say it all the time, if there's a will, there's a way, if it's important, you will find the time, the money and the how, because 
if you're living in North America and it's winter time and it's really cold and your furnace goes, it doesn't matter how broke you are or how much you have to work or every, everything stops for you to get mm -hmm. that furnace fixed because you're not living without heat in the middle of winter in North America because it's important, right. it's imperative. And so if you use right. that same type of thing of, I'm really not happy with my life, how bad do I want to change? Well, if you really want to, you will. It may not be quick, which is fine, as long as you're making strides toward it. It may not be cheap sometimes, but we can cut back on expenses. We can sell a lot of stuff, especially if you're relocating to another country, you want to start thinking about selling almost all of your stuff. Um, and for some people, it will be all of it. Um, but yeah, there's there's a way if it's important, you just have to be completely honest with yourself of what lifestyle do you want and and how important is it to have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and different elements of your lifestyle as well, right? Like, do you need a giant flat screen TV a monitor in order to do your work well so that like you can keep your bills paid versus like, do you really need a fancy headset <laughs> that you use for gaming or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. there are priorities, right? And like. And like you said about the, you know, like your furnace goes out. Like I always tell my clients the same kind of, like I always post the same kind of question. Like, oh, do you have $10,000 that you can use to invest in my startup? You would probably say no. But if I said, do you have $10,000? Your child's been in a car accident. You would say, I will find the money. I may not have $10,000, but by hook or crook, you're going to find $10,000 to pay for the medical care for your child because that's important to you, right? So like, it's really a matter of like figuring out what's important to you, what are you prioritizing and what are you giving up in order to get the things that you actually want, right? So mm -hmm. I think it, it starts with that, like <laughs> whatever Absolutely. you want, whatever changes you want in your life, like it starts with knowing what you want out of your life, right? Like what kind of life do you want to have? Yeah, and then from there, and, and part of that then too is, you know, what kind of weather do you want to live in? How far away from your home country is acceptable for you? Does it need to be a direct flight? And the more kind of questions you ask yourself, the more we can narrow it down. Because some people I, I get, I've, I've had clients that are very specific. Um, one, I, I live in LA. I need a direct flight to LA. My parents are a little bit older. Um, I, I do want to move internationally, but I need to make sure that you know, it's it's somewhere with a direct flight. So if something happens, I can get back reasonably quickly. And I'm like, well, some direct flights are nine and a half hours. Like that's There's still a far, but it's still one. <laughs> yeah, that's and 17 so, hours. Yeah, me, it's I'm I'm in uh in the country of Montenegro right now. So for me to get back to Western Canada, it's quite far. But again, it's it comes down to yeah, there's so many things and there's not one right answer for everybody. It's coming down to what's important. What do you want kind of um, quality of life? And, and by that, with like cost of living, weather, do you want to own a car? Like I love Europe and I've been in Europe for a long time now, even in Barcelona. I love not having a car. So that whole expense of monthly payments, registration, gas, insurance, um, parking, whatever other expenses that you have to pay for your car. If you didn't have to have that, all of that money every month that you're spending can go towards maybe your rent, more food, going out, like whatever it may be. So sometimes we have to think too that that, that shift is not just, oh, I have to make the same amount of money or I have to cut back. It's like, 
well, what am I spending on now that I may not need in a, in a, another place where I go to? Yeah, that's right. And um, another thing that you might consider is that like when you move to a place that has access to, for example, the city that I live in, like there's a lot of farmer's market that has fresh produce and almost never buy anything from, you know, a grocery store. So you're saving on like, usually things at the grocery store, like supermarket cost a bit more than like at a, at a farmer's market. And you know that the, the food that you're getting is much of a, a higher quality. You're probably not gonna get sick as much because you're eating better. So like medical costs go down, like there's long-term effects of like the choices that you're making, of, like when it comes to, when you think about moving to a different country or like to a different location. And, you know, sometimes you might not be able to appreciate these changes that are like these mm -hmm. benefits that you will enjoy until you're actually there and you're like, oh my God, it's been six months since I got a flu. I mean, I've been sick twice since I've been in Singapore and I can count the number of times that I've been sick in the three years that I've been in, in Jalapa. Like I think I've been sick like twice and one of those was food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> you know but like here I've already caught a cold twice you know so like those are things that you don't think about until you're like living it and you're like oh my gosh I haven't been sick in a really long time haven't had to spend $50 each time going to like the clinic for for medication that like for my cold or whatever right and right. that's a savings that you don't think about and that's like if it's twice um, like in six months that's a hundred bucks that you suddenly have for all of the things you mentioned, right? Like dining out, like going on a trip or whatever. So, yeah. And lots of people too that I've spoke with um, that move to different countries, especially if they go from um, say North America to, to Costa Rica, there there were several that they said, you know, I just, I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm not even trying. I was trying so hard in North America and I did everything and now I'm here. I'm just in part as they're walking more, um, it's hotter generally so maybe not quite depending upon where you're coming from but maybe not quite eating quite as much but it is definitely more fruits vegetables things like that so they're still eating still feeling full still feeling great and you're right they're losing weight feeling better um not as sick as often and and so there there's also many benefits um that some people don't think about uh when mm -hmm. when considering moving abroad yeah. And beyond just like the personal benefits to yourself as a human being, like there's also benefits to like the environment, right? Like, I mean, we only have this one planet and if you're not driving a car, that's one less person that's contributing to pollution in terms of like driving your car or like whatever, right? So mm -hmm. that's something to think about as well, right? Like there's, there's all kinds of benefits that, you know, we won't even think about or won't even realize like what things were changing or what benefits were, were accruing mm. until, I don't know, you actually stop to think about. Right. And just being open to other cultures and different foods and lifestyles and, and everything. It's, it's part of the reason I've lived in, I think I'm in like five countries now and I'm looking to relocate uh, again, considering. And so it's like, where next? What, what culture, what lifestyle, what, what do I, what do I want next? Um, and, and then also too being part of the community, like, as you said, those farmers markets and things like that, you're not just in a country to take things for yourself from it. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but also being there and, and participating in community events, going to the farmers market, helping out doing things is also 
feeding ourselves, but also feeding the the country and the culture that we're in and learning from them. Because when we learn stuff from where we live, we share that with people we know, whether if it's our friends back home or family back home, other people, we talk to their expats. Oh, when I lived here, this or that, or, oh, I tried that when I lived there. And we share, we share not only our, our lifestyle, but the different cultures and things that we learn from, from other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, that has been one of the richest and best parts about moving abroad or, you know, living abroad and traveling the world is always just being, being able to have those relationships with people from different cultures, different traditions, different heritages, and to learn from them, right? Like, what do they think is important? Or like, what do they value? Like, how do they raise their kids, you know? And when you have the opportunity to learn and see where people are coming from, I think it's important to always just have an open mind and approach with curiosity, because depending on where you're moving to and from, like, it may feel like hugely different, like vastly out of your comfort zone like oh my goodness what are these people doing but honestly for the most part I've always found that they've had a very good reason for doing whatever they're doing right like even though to you it might seem like this is weird or like this is unheard of but then like if you actually engage in a conversation with the people and ask them like hey I noticed that you were doing such and such a thing like I've never seen that being done in such a way like could you tell me a little bit more about that I'd like to understand and they are very happy to share with you like a part of their tradition or their culture or whatever, right? And and then you realize like, oh my God, like I did not understand that because I don't have the local context, right? Like maybe they do something strange with like their water or whatever, like they collect water in buckets or whatever. And it's just because like they have a very long drought season and they do need to like save water in order to do this, whatever, right? Like you won't understand that because you've only been there possibly six months, possibly a year. I mean, if you've been there a year, you've been through all of the seasons and maybe you appreciate that a little bit more. But if you're just mm-hmm. visiting or like you're just got there, you're just like, oh no, why are they doing this? Like, why are they using the water that they've rinsed their vegetables to water the garden? Like, that's weird, <laughs> right? Because we don't think about like tossing the water down the drain, but for countries where water is a huge issue, like that's a huge waste. Like, why would you do that, <laughs> right? right? So, you know, just have that understanding and asking from a place of wanting to learn and understand and curiosity is I think the best way to approach it right and then you are enriched by their knowledge and whatever mm-hmm. wisdom that they have that's right that's right I I believe that our thoughts and our beliefs they are not right they are not wrong they're just our learned experience and so that's the same with every person around the world with their culture generally speaking i mean obviously some things are wrong and bad but for the most part are what we believe and think they're just learned experience from what we're taught and told growing up i const- i always say to people like if i was switched at birth as a baby and was raised in another country even though my parents were my parents if if I, I was raised in another country with different parents, I would have different beliefs and thoughts just because of where I was raised and their culture, their beliefs and their thoughts. And it it doesn't mean that anyone is either right or wrong. They're just different from experience over thousands of years. That's, yeah, that's all it is. So yeah. Crunch, you have what you call a GPS program or programs. Your, your guidance and personal support. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? 
Sure, thank you for asking. So what I do as a transformational travel coach is I help people navigate, usually women, because that's my lived experience, right? I'm a cis hetero mm-hmm. woman. And like that has been my life experience traveling to over 50 countries in the past 10 years. And like travel has always supported me through all of my life transitions, like whether that's breakups or career changes or like doing something completely different in my life or like loss and, you know, dealing with grief and all that kind of stuff. Travel has always been there for me as a space for me to reconnect with myself to get in touch with like who I am, what I want to do, because I think particularly as women, like we're often faced with a lot of these expectations or, you know, opinions or perspectives that other people put on us about who we should be and how you should show up in the world, that it's easy to have forgotten kind of like who you are, what you want to do, right? Like maybe you're a mom and you still want to travel and people are like, how can you leave your kids behind? Like, and so you never ever travel, right? Um, And that's something that's a reality for a lot of women around the world. And I think when you go through like a big life transition, whatever that may be, travel can be there for you to kind of support you and guide you through the process of reconnecting with yourself and coming home to yourself, right? And yet for a lot of women, it is a scary kind of challenging experience. Most people have never traveled alone or traveled at all. And to think about doing it for the first time or as a first time in your in a later stage of your life, it can feel kind of like, well, what are my options? Like, how do I not to end up in an all-inclusive resort in Cancun? I mean, that's cool and everything, but it's not really like a transformative mm-hmm. situation. It's Perfect. a vacation. Um, it's a vacation, and that's fine. It's a vacation. Like, but like, if you want to kind of like go on that soul searching, eat, pray, love kind of journey, and it feels kind of scary, that's where uh-huh. like the guidance and personalized support program can be helpful for you because I will be there with you on every step of the journey, right? Like from the point, from the start of the journey of like figuring out where you want to go, what your intention is for this trip that you want to take, this journey, like whether you're relocating to somewhere different or going on a sabbatical or whatever kind of trip that has been on your heart and you want to make it a reality, like I'll be there to guide you through the process, like deciding all of the beginning stuff that like when you're on your journey as well, like run into all kinds of, wild scenarios like you're lost in the middle of nowhere or like you're navigating a country where you don't speak the language right like I've been Mm -hmm. there done that for the most part and I got you so can guide you through that process and then like when you come home like integrating back into you know your home context because Mm -hmm. you've been away but everybody else has stayed and to everybody else you look the same but obviously you've been through like a huge change right so like getting that kind of squared away and figuring out like where do you go from here right like you've had this big change you've transformed your life or whatever you've had shifts in your thinking ideas how do you integrate that back into your life and make sure that you go forward with a life creating that life that you love right so that's what the gps programs are about (laughs) and each one is completely tailored to the person that I'm working with because no two individuals have the same journey. We might go to the same places and walk the same roads, but ultimately the journey we take is completely different, right? So Absolutely. that's 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 what I do. 
That's fantastic. No, that's that's great. It's it's wonderful. And um, where can people get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, you can connect with me um, by my website, which is Crunch Ranjani. That's C R U N C H R A N J A N I dot com. Um, I also write in my Substack about some of these ideas that we've been talking about, like designing your life that you love, or talking about like recreate, like reimagining a world that we want to live in, right? On my Substack, that's on crunchranjani.substack.com. And I'm also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you search Crunch Ranjani, I will appear. <laughs> Perfect. And we will put links to that in the show notes to make it easy for everyone as well. So I just want to say thank you very much, Crunch, for your time today. It was great. I know the listeners got some valuable information from our conversation, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure.